Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What to do with a problem like Christian Eriksen, Alexis Sanchez, or Wilfried Zaha? We dissect all of that and much more in today's Gagampod. David Weiner with you, joined as ever by Michael Bridges. And a debutante, Western Sydney Wanderers defender Daniel Georgieski, he tells us about playing against David Luiz and what it's like riding the highs and lows of qualifying for a Champions League campaign. Can't wait to get stuck in. Let's get started. Bridget, good to see you again, but uh, welcome Daniel, welcome for the first time this season to Optus Sport at the studio here in Sydney. How are you going And in Sydney because of the move to the Wanderers? Welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's good to be home. It's good to be home and seeing you boys again, you know, it's interesting. And fighting fit with uh, a couple of months into pre-season, I, I, I imagine? Yeah, yeah, very fit, very um, full on. So I think the whole process now Wanderers are wanting to do, it's, um, it's very good and at the same time, you know getting a bit smashed but in a positive way. <laughs> we'll touch on that a little bit later on but we'll kick off with the Premier League of course where we're dissecting another big round looking forward to another hectic weekend of action and we're at a stage where Liverpool are the only team to have three from three to start the season and it was a very interesting weekend where there were away wins and we have a Premier League table where 15 of the teams have three points. Bridgie what do we make of all this? What, with the away wins, Dev? With the state of the Premier League right it's, now. It's, it's going to be a very, very tasty season once again. Liverpool and City showing the standards again. Goals galore. You know, Sterling, five goals. Uh, we've got Salah banging them in again. Aguero, after his little spat with um, Guardiola last week, proving that he's the man again. 400, 400th. That's not easy to Hello. say. Um, goal. For club and country, um, he didn't even realise how good his stats were for that. So it's been a brilliant start of the season. I've been impressed with this. some of the teams that have come up as well in Norwich City. They've been having a really good go, attacking-wise. And Liverpool, three from three, like you say, Dave, they are setting setting the you know the early starters, setting the league alight. But um, I just feel come the end of the season, City, although I'm always going to say they will have a lot more depth come the end of the season once the Champions League kicks in. And it's been an interesting comment from Klopp this morning saying that he wants to have a year out why he would say that at this stage of the season I do not know mate but all in all so far it's been a cracking start and I've thoroughly enjoyed some of the matches because they've been entertaining we've seen goals galore what's your caught your eye Daniel oh definitely Norwich uh, am I saying that right, Bridget? Norwich. Norwich? Sorry yeah, you can say it how you want, mate. Oh, sorry, I just saw oh, it on the piece of paper over there. Um, they've actually caught my eye and um, Pookie, the striker, he's definitely one that's just, I, I don't know, he's just weird. I watched him overseas um, in one of the national team games and he was just scoring for fun and it just seems like he's doing the same thing at, for the Prem and they're on three points as well and the fact that they're going that well but Liverpool's my team, so... The fact that they're three from three, I'm, I'm a very happy man. Okay, so what did you think when Klopp sort of hinted overnight that 2022 might be it for him? What did you make of those comments? Oh, look, I think um, he just, just just something for the media to have a have a <laughs> word around. I think that's just the way he is, and I think it's just all fun and games. But when it comes down to it, I think the German mentality comes in, and he just goes full on, and 
I think he deserves a year off if he does the same thing that he did last year, except win the Premier League. I could understand if he'd done it with about eight games to go and try and use it as a little bit of motivation to say to the boys, send me out on a, on a high along with the fans and I'll have a rest. But to do it three games in, I find it... I find it fascinating and uh, there's got to be some truth in it and he's got to be thinking about it. Maybe he's just absolutely worn out uh, but I would love to see him go out with the with the title to be fair if he does and big talk that it could be Stevie G making the return. He's well, had a couple of seasons at Rangers. Talk about the media. It didn't take long for that story Straight to pop up. On it. Almost within the night with Jersey Dudek comments coming out saying that that's the plan. I got um, excited. I mean, look, I think it's well known I'm a Chelsea supporter. I got excited by Frank Lampard going to Chelsea as as the manager. Does the Stevie G romance have any have any uh, well, that'll be effect hilarious. on you? That'll be hilarious if that actually happens. You know, if all the I guess the the goats of the, every team, the head coaches are their best players. So that'll be hilarious if that happens. But um, Bridget might be just like the ex the ex the ex <laughs> legends taking control of the old teams, eh? Pretty much, pretty much, just kicking out the old and bringing in the new. So um, no, that'll be amazing if Stevie G does go. But I'm a Jurgen Klopp fan, so. Believe you me, if that happens, I'm about a hundred, a hundred down the pecking order. I can't even get my words out today. Sorry, just one of those days, isn't no, it? Oh, mate, stinker. Dave, what I will say though, for that weekend, there was the away wins. I had six away wins this weekend in the Premier League, and the two that I didn't have were obviously Palace playing United at Old Trafford in Newcastle, getting one over. Um, Tottenham Hotspur that was incredible I mean you got to go back a long time to see when Palace got their win over over United there it was 2011 um, in Newcastle I did not see that one coming so they were the two that caught me out it was a funny weekend for the results in that sense but I did have six away wins um, like I said did not have them two in there look that Newcastle Spurs game is one that's close to your heart obviously boyhood fan of Spurs but you know from the from that area as well um what did you take out of that, particularly for Spurs? Because there's a little bit of rumbling now that all is not necessarily well. Um, I even saw, I think of all places, I saw it on the Times where they said Pochettino started to throw out a few Mourinho-like lines in the in the media as well. Um, anything to read into that or, or, or still faith that, that things can resume? I think we talked about it or touched on it in our first gig and pod and I felt like Tottenham had overachieved last season going in that Champions League the way they did and this season was going to be a, a massive season and I was hoping it was going to go the right way but it's the way it's unfolding at this moment in time it's not looking good Ericsson obviously hasn't been getting a game there's talk that he could be leaving the next 10 days are going to be very interesting to see if he stays or goes or they lose him on a free and he hasn't been getting a game and then Pochettino says we may have seen him play his last game for Spurs it's... Um, it's it, That's not pretty. They haven't been performing too well neither. He came on in the first game and made a massive difference against Villa to win the game. So it's it's not a pretty camp. And Newcastle United, there was a lot of stuff going on back in Newcastle from England. An ex-player called Michael Chopra had criticised Steve Bruce and his tactics. He actually named the player that had bloody given the information. <laughs> He said Dummett, the left-back, had actually said that Steve Bruce has given them no direction of playing style. So he hung his mate out to dry. Steve Bruce then came back and said, who's Michael Chopra? He meant to be a legend. You've played 10 games for Newcastle and abused him. But it, it had taken a, a stronghold, and there's no better way to answer your critics than a performance like they did. They held their ground against Tottenham. They, they tried to be a defensive organiser as they possibly could and didn't allow Tottenham any space whatsoever. Aston Villa tried that as well, and it wasn't until Ericsson came on. So Bruce got the tactics spot on, but the actual goal Newcastle United scored... There was about 20 or 30 passes in it from the back to front, side to side. It was absolutely incredible. And then they held on to their lead. So Steve Bruce has just basically said to everybody, um, go and get stuffed. And the pressure is massively on Tottenham at this moment in time. 
He said what? Speaking of which, Pochettino on Christian Eriksen, who you mentioned, it's not an easy situation. We know this can unsettle the group, but we know in 10 days it will finish. That's the European transfer window, and things will be clear. Dan, can Spurs do anything this year without the magic of Eriksen? I think Tottenham, the last couple of years, they haven't really been a headline in the transfer windows, I think because they build the stadium and all that stuff. So the fact that that's pretty much been it, it's been Liverpool... Manchester City and Tottenham just talking about transfers, transfers, transfers. And the fact that they've got one of their best players and they're not holding on to him, I think that's kind of in, in gone into the tactics and um, gone into the style of play, which, as you can see, they lost to Newcastle, which are a very strong team. But at the same time, Tottenham are one of the top three, four teams in the Premier League. So a loss like that definitely um, definitely doesn't help them out. But the fact that Eriksen, which is their star player, is not playing. And he showed himself that when he went in versus Aston Villa, he pretty much changed the game. Yeah, that's so, right. So now it's it's a bit hard for the coach, especially around that type of player. And luckily Ericsson's a very well a normal normal guy in that sense. He's not a troublemaker. And the fact that, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard for him, I can honestly say. Their number 10, their main man, isn't playing. And that's pretty much hurting them in all in everywhere. It's so. like the type of position that you cannot go and get a replacement unless you spend a bucket load of money for that type of quality. And Tottenham don't do that. And they're going to have to wait till January if they do... If they do lose him, so it's a, it's not a pretty sign. Deli Ali, the other one that hasn't been forming, been through injuries, a lot of stuff going on off the field for him as well that have really taken a blindsided him away from his football and his quality on a on a club level mm. and also at national level. So yeah, like I say, Pochettino's got it all to do, and the, this cracks are starting to show. And I was, uh, I thought he might have left at the start of this season because he, I think he'd taken Tottenham as far as he potentially could. Um, he's hung around, delighted. So this is a very, very telling season for the, for Tottenham Hotspur. Do you think he might regret not having moved on? Just the language is very almost like he's putting up his guard. He's saying the team's unsettled. He's talk, he was talking about the transfers before the season. The first time we've heard him talk like this, yeah. Dave. Do you know what I mean? So there's definitely something, there's an underlying issue there. Um, I thought it would have been, been a good get out for him. Um, and he could have used the transfers that Levy hasn't given um, and I think he might regret it this season. Dan, what happens in a dressing room, though, where you, the general perception is that Ericsson is a good bloke that isn't going to cause trouble. If he doesn't get to move, he'll play on and he'll he'll get on with life. But ultimately, your best player, you turn around and he's on the bench at the start of the games and you need him. What's that dynamic like when you're in a dressing room and you look around going, Jesus, is, is he going to be around or we need him? Why isn't the coach playing him? What's going on? What does that actually do? Well, like you said, um, the perception of Ericsson is the fact that he's a good guy, and you can tell through his social media and all that. Like, he's not let that hap- that affect his, you know, him to be the main topic for Tottenham, and it's hard. Um, in in that line, when you're the one runaway player, pretty much you're waiting to go. Everything revolves around that, so your personal life is pretty much destroyed, and it's hard. Um, I think it's not the best, not the best thing that Tottenham would want. And Ericsson as a player, I think um, the boys will. You know, obviously be, be their boys, but at the same time, you're moving on. And um, you, you're, you're, you might be moving on, sorry, not that he's moving on. So, yeah, it's not it's not good. It's one of the hardest things to, you know, endeavour. But at the same time, it's, yeah, it, it's not the, you don't want to be in that situation. Do you know what I love, Dave? You said the players that sit on the bench and you've got your best player sitting on the bench and you've got the other lads looking, thinking, I'm going to use that for my psychology because I was the worst player. That's why I was sitting on the bench at Leeds United because we had Mark Viduka, Harry Keel. But maybe they were looking at the bench going, why is Bridgie not playing? He's the best player. But I very much doubt it. But you've made me feel a million dollars there, mate. So thank you. <laughs> On the flip side, though, um, I don't know if you guys have ever been in a situation where you've had contract talks over your head. Like, 
we look at it from the outside. We look at it from rumours. We look at it from uh, as fans, what's our player going to do? But when you're the human in the moment, how does it affect you trying to prepare for a season? Because literally Christian Eriksen right now clearly wants to be at Barcelona or Real Madrid. And if that doesn't happen, he's going to have to play on and find some salvation in, in Tottenham this season. Yeah, well, I think I've told you this story before when I was at Sunderland, Peter Reid, um, I wasn't going to sign a new contract. There was me and Alan Johnson. He left us out of the pre-season camp to go to Denmark because he knew that we weren't going to be around. He didn't want us infiltrating or messing up any of their plans for pre-season. So we stayed back with the youth team while they played in Denmark and that's when I potentially was going to move to Tottenham Hotspur. That fell through and I signed for Leeds. So he wanted to, Peter Reid had the mindset, he wanted the players that weren't going to be there gone before the start of the season. That was before the Bosman ruling came in and there was transfer windows and things like that. So the only thing that I can remember and relate to this was Mark Viduka at Leeds United when he had a big fallout with Peter Reid. Um, and we witnessed the two of them going at it from the get-go. Peter Reid only been there two hours and him and Reedy were smashing each other. I've never seen a, a professional footballer tap a manager on the head and under the chin <laughs> and say, I'm going to feed you my dog food. Oh, well. And straight away you lose. The, everybody went, oh, you are kidding. And it was, it was unbelievable because one, Peter Reid's lost face straight away. Um, two, he's lost respect because he didn't do anything to, to Mark. And Mark was wanting to leave the club, but he still wanted to play. And we're thinking, is he going to do something? Well, because Vidux was so good, he actually had to play him because we needed to get results. But the dynamics in that dressing room had totally gone because of one moment of madness from Peter Reid, who'd actually exposed Viduka and should have kept it behind closed doors. Yeah, I had actually had the... Not my, I had one myself where it was my last six months of the con- on my contract and... They didn't want to renew it, but at the same time, they didn't want to let me go. So they pretty much said, you're in the grandstand out of 19 players per in, in the, every game. You're going to be the 19th. So I had to go in every camp, eat my food, prepare, and then sit in the grandstand and watch the game and train with the youth. It's tough, eh? Oh, it's not easy. And at the same time, I didn't get paid for it. So that's, I guess, Eastern Europe for you. But um, there was one case where um, Vlad Kirikash, who was at Stal Bucharest, and he was a top player, 22 years old. Everyone wanted him, and he had a transfer to Tottenham. Um, that was falling through and he, no one knew about it until the media caught on and it was about a nine million, nine and a half million euro transfer and it, he found out that day that it wasn't happening and he, I just a kid that was so positive, so well behaved, everything, his mind just dropped and before training we had a massive meeting with the coach and everything and his head just was in the ground and he didn't want to train, didn't want to play but he was our one of our best players. It was the first six months that we had an absolutely amazing first six months but he... It, it kind of ruined him, but luckily a week later they sorted it out and he got to go. So I think um, it wasn't as bad because it wasn't like what they're, they're experiencing now. But when you see it and you try to like bring him up, but it's just hard to tell a nice kid like, it's okay. It's it'll happen if it doesn't happen now. It'll happen in six months, and it luckily happened a week later. So I was happy that you know he's there, and yeah, it's it, that was my little experience that I had with someone that was going to a top flight and. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't the best. It reminds you there's a human side to the the headlines and the the multi million dollar deals you see, which you know that looks at Alexis Sanchez right now. So as we're recording, he's at Manchester United, and um, obviously everyone knows that Inter Milan are very eager to get him. Antonio Conte wants him up front with Romelu Lukaku. He sees some life left in him. I just wonder, guys, with Sanchez, can you recall someone that has fallen off their pedestal as? wildly as he had or can you put your finger on what has gone wrong because I just loved watching him at Arsenal but he's almost summed up everything that's been wrong at Manchester United for the last 18 months he certainly has and it's the attitude I think it's I mean the money now is on a different level 
Back in the day, I thought the bubble would burst at Leeds when we were signing players on a, on a lot of money coming in with the Champions League money. And it's just gone to a whole new level. So when you see the money that Sanchez was getting because he was a Bosman signing, so you don't pay the club, you pay the player. And it's almost like he's gone there and he was crap from the get-go. I couldn't believe just one player was so good at Arsenal. And I'm thinking, Man United have got a hell of a player here. And it was he was half the player. He looked, he looked for me, overweight compared to what he looked at Arsenal, whether that was to do with Mourinho's training regime because the fitness levels were nowhere near. That's the first thing Solskjaer said as well. The boys weren't lean enough. And you could see that. And he's been massively impacted by that. And I think he's had a massive draining effect on the whole dressing room. I think there's been a few of them involved at United. And I think he has been one of the catalysts behind it. And it's really sad to see, but it does happen. And I witnessed this with Seth Johnson at, New, um, at Leeds United as well. Signed a player from Derby County. Fantastic. Everybody was talking about Seth being the next England midfielder. Lovely left foot, driving forward. And Leeds didn't do the homework behind the scenes as what he was earning at Derby County. And he signed for, I reckon, 3,000% more. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It was, it was obscene money. And even Seth couldn't believe it. And I'll never forget that what took a hold of Seth was... He got a couple of injuries, but then the drink. Um, he got banned from driving from the drink. Um, and he just seemed to decline. And the, the icing on the cake for that was he was actually living in a house with his girlfriend who had a brother. And he finished the girlfriend and let the brother stay there because they were best mates. So he, he was just on a spiral out of control. And it was really sad to see firsthand. And I wish the club at, the, at that point had a player liaison officer that could have got a hold of Seth and pulled him into line and said, you've got a future. But... He was earning the money, and after five years of being at Leeds United, he were, you know he'd, he'd he'd really gone under the radar. And it was such a sad thing to see. Different ways to what Sanchez has done, but it was really really sad to see. Yeah, you can just tell the um, the money. The money, I think, is just ruining it. Not all the players, because if you look at someone like Mbappe, who's only nineteen twenty and probably earning the same amount, uh, his mentality is. But Sanchez, I guess, earning that much money, and like you said, the last eighteen months, Manchester United have just been, I guess, woeful in that way, and. Um, the fact that he's been fighting with players, I think a few weeks ago, came out and little things like this, any little thing that he does wrong will just be blown out of proportion. But I guess that's what they signed and they, they expected something much more. And the fact that he hasn't given it to him, he's just ruined his name. And the only comparison I can say in the Prem was probably Andy Carroll. If you remember when he went to Liverpool, massive money, 45 million, I think, back then, which yeah. was after the Torres, um, Torres went to Chelsea, I believe. And... Andy Carroll's still trying to find. He luckily got another. I think he's had about three Joker cards. Well, when that deal career. when that deal went through, I I, tr- I tried to make a comeback. <laughs> I thought there's got to be hope if he's getting moved for that amount of money. When you're getting rid of Torres, I was like, wow. because yeah, I remember I was playing for Macedonia. We, we um played the Liverpool, um the Liverpool sorry the England on the 21s and um Will um Wilcott was playing and Wilkshire and all that and Andy Carroll scored a hat trick against us. We ended up losing five three, but he was back then talk of the town. You know, just big boy, 19 years old, just. An absolute monster, and you can just tell he was going higher and higher. And I think he just wanted to be a normal bloke, just go on the piss with his mates, and as they do. And when he got to Liverpool, they expected a certain sort of professionalism, and he said, "No, I'm not changing the way I am." But if you're paying that much money, you have mm. to. And I guess a lot of players don't want to change their mentality, and that was that, his downfall. Yeah. And he admitted it recently when he's just gone back to Newcastle. He said, I am not going to be distracted now by the Newcastle nightlife. I've, I want to get back on my career. Yeah, but he said when he signed in Liverpool that I want to still live the same way I did in Newcastle. Yeah. But we all know Newcastle, how rough and tough it can get. And <laughs> Liverpool is a bit different. So, yeah, he's one of my players that I think, um, you know, is not to that level. But at the same time, the money really got to his head. And, you know, certain changes he didn't want, which 
football will just eat you up and spit you alive. Well, Sanchez has got his joker card if that does happen and Inter Milan must see something left in him. But just on Manchester United, who obviously lost to Crystal Palace on the weekend, I mean, what a ridiculous record Roy Hodgson now has at Palace, who were the last teams to win away, I think, at Anfield, the Etihad, Emirates, um, away from home in the Prem. But when Sanchez goes, or if he goes, and Solskjaer needs to look down the bench for a change going forward, all he's got is the young 17-year-old Greenwood. They're light on, aren't they? Yeah, of course they are. They've got a January con come quick enough, but he's happy to give youngsters a go. And Solskjaer, he'll, he'll back his staff. They will have a go. They've got a tremendous turnover of, of talent going through United, and I think it's about time they started releasing a few more and letting them have a crack. And if there's any time to do it, it's between now and and um, January, but let's be honest, when you look at City's bench and you compare it to Liverpool's bench and you compare it to United's bench, that's where the difference is. They have got players that are first-team players. Did you mention the B team of City? <laughs> they compete in the Premier League, no no doubt about it. United don't have that luxury at this moment in time, but I would rather have a young lad that deserves it than a money-grabbing bleep yeah. draining your squad. Yeah. So it's a no-brainer. He's got to go. Well, well Chelsea are doing it now. If, you, if you've looked at the last yeah. two, Abraham and um, Mount, I think. Mount. Yeah, Mason Mount. Yeah. Well, there you go. They've had a transfer ban, and now they've gone to the bench, and they've been their two-star players the last couple of games. He's allegedly going to sign a new deal, double his wages yeah. uh, from scoring the two goals, you well, know. So Well, I read, I read this morning that... Um, he had to wait two hours at the airport and had to drive back to... Um, yeah, he, he couldn't piss. He couldn't piss. Yeah. For two so, hours. Did he hear that one, Dave? <laughs> yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. That was for the drugs test <laughs> yeah, after the game. Test and yeah, he missed the flight, so he had to drive back to um, back to London, I think. Life of a professional footballer. So 9.30pm, Southampton hosts Manchester United. That's a little banana skin there for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side. And uh, Manchester City, who you mentioned there, Depp Bridgie, they're on midnight against Matty Ryan and Aaron Moyes, Brighton, Hove Albion. But uh, Bridgie, you must be feeling fairly popular this week because after we got you to do your top five players last week, I didn't realise you had about 3,500 friends on Instagram who got around and liked it, which way outweighed the abuse you copped, which was fairly surprising, I've got to be honest. I tell you what, I'm pleased I'm thick-skinned because there was some gunning for me, by the way, <laughs> just because I hadn't put Marnie in. So it, it's a tough thing to do when you give me five. You chopped it from ten. Um, but yeah, it was. I really enjoyed it. It got a little bit of a bit of traction. And so you're ready to go again? I'm ready to go again, man. So this week is, of course, yeah, this week is, of course, because uh, Pep Guardiola and David Silva, what a masterclass on the weekend where he set up two goals to mark his milestone performance in Manchester City. And Pep Guardiola talking about his ability to unlock defences said he's one of the best players I've ever seen at doing that. And what a little maestro who perhaps because of his personality doesn't get the plaudits or the recognition that others might get as a midfielder in Premier League history. And uh, that's this week's top five, Bridget, because I want to know who your favourite foreign players in the Premier League have been since, since day dot. Does he make it? Does who make it? David Silva. Oh, No. He, he would, he would, but I've gone from players in the a bit from the from the past back the in my days. day because I had the privilege of playing against these players and realised how good they were on a level and realised I could not play international football to compete with people like this. All right, so I'm going to leave my number one to last, but none of the others are in order. Okay, and we're going to start with the Chelsea man. Any ideas? Drogba? No. Zola? Yes. Now I'm an, I, I love. People that entertain. I love going to games where you just kind of get on the edge of your seats or you stand on the pitch going, my God, what did he just do? Gianfranco Zola literally had the ball glued to his feet. I loved watching this guy. 
first game in the Premier League for Sunderland. We got smashed 5-1 or 5-0 or 5-2, can't remember. And Zola just destroyed our whole team. Half-time team taught was, can you try and get close to Zola? And both centre-half says, no, boss, we can't. Well, fair enough. You get on with it. So he's in there. He's definitely a top, top player and everybody raves about him. I'm then going to go to the other end of the field and I'm going to go for a goalkeeper from Manchester United. Any ideas? Five titles, 310 <laughs> 128 <laughs> clean sheets. I think his son might be playing in the Premier he League. He certainly is, yeah. Peter Schmeichel. Uh, when he used to come out and close you down, it, there was no goal, there was no angles there available. He was absolutely top, top shelf, and his record speaks for itself. He you know, helped Man United to five titles. Going back to the other end of the field, an Arsenal man, a Frenchman, 175 goals, came in as a left winger from Monaco, and then set the Premier League alight when he went up front, and that is Thierry Henry. Just every game that we played against this guy, didn't matter who was the manager, we did not know how to handle him. Um, Peter Reid did actually try to play the offside trap once against him, and when when he scored two against us at Leeds United, the half-time team taught this, the two centre-halves were fuming, Lucas Radaby and Dubry, and they had a, they had a go at Peter Reid, and Reid said, Honestly, boys, I didn't know he was that quick. <laughs> <laughs> he was a very, very quick player, man. So um, Henri is in there and I'm going to have to put in the Manchester United man, Real Madrid. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And then Juventus, Ronaldo. It was just a joy to watch when he came in. 196 appearances, 134 goals, um, wins and 84 goals for United. Just a true, true talent and obviously gone on to prove that he's one of the best players in the world. But my favourite player of all time in the Premier League, I tried to model my game on him. Sadly, I came nowhere near. It was the Dutch legend at Arsenal, the midfielder, the number 10 that probably got Henri all of his goals with his assists. Go on. You wanna, yeah? yeah? Dennis Bergkamp. Yeah. 94 assists, 85 goals, just a dream and a joy to watch. So, um, yep, that's my top five. There's plenty more could have gone in there. Drogba I was looking at, um, like you say, Silva, but I've gone for players that I've played against. Yeah, Burkamp's the top for so many. He's almost like the benchmark of that debate for so many people. Who did you grow up watching? Who's your favourite? Oh, growing up, oh, Jesus. I was, oh, can't really say. There's too many to go. Like you said, if you bring out to five, I can give you about 100 right now. Um, <laughs> Dennis Burkamp was, I think, that goal that he scored... Um, we just went around the Newcastle, Newcastle. defender. You, you just can't get rid of that. And Henri, I think that whole um, golden team, or what do they call them actually? The, the Invincibles. The Invincibles. That was just a joy to watch. And I think that's when English football became English football. So I think anyone in that team from, uh, um, yeah, don't want to say it. That's too much. You said foreigners. Would Roy Keane have come under that as well, by the way, for being... Depends what you want to skew the list I know, as. Because then I'm looking at Ryan Giggs of Wales. I didn't know whether he wanted yeah. just out of the, you know, out of the, well, the, the British Isles. Or I'm surprised he didn't say Eric Cantona to tell you the truth. He was in there as well. It was <laughs> it was between Cantona and Ronaldo. This is the thing. It's open it's for hard. debate. It's a nightmare. <laughs> but it kept us going for 24 hours. So thank you, Dave. So we'll throw you to the wolves again this yeah, week. Don't wait. don't you worry about that. Bring it oh, on. Oh, here's a good yarn. <laughs> 
Um, on the weekend, Virgil van Dijk was dribbled past finally for the first time in 50 Premier League games by Pepe, the new Arsenal signing. At the same time, David Luiz was giving away penalties like he was playing in a video game. Guys, first of all, <laughs> a comment <laughs> a comment on David Luiz's performance and, and where he fits in at Arsenal. Uh, but then want to know just what that kind of player of van Dijk's stature versus Luiz's kind of looseness what that what that is like playing with or against look David Luiz he's a great player but he has those games where you just like really um is he worth that much you know unfortunately he had a shock of us Liverpool but I think he's had a few where it's been a bit you know he's not worth that money and I think Mourinho said it a few years ago when he went from Chelsea to PSG that he's a good player but not that good and I think he says it right and um you know unfortunately for David Luiz he ends up having shockers and his shockers are Absolutely. Can you remember shocking. his international shocker against wanna, Germany? I don't want to say was that. Was seven, seven, one. Seven, one, yeah. He was at the heart of that as well. Six goals. Yeah. And well, I, th- I think Lampard would have been watching this and being delighted with the decision he's made because I don't, I'll, listen, he's a great ball player. At least he can take a free kick. His distribution is tremendous. I look at defenders that I would love to play against or train against. And if I was doing one-on-ones against David Luiz, I'll tell you what, I, I, I would tear him a new one. Because he can't defend, and he's proven that. But actually, as a as a player, he's for me he's a number six. I don't know whether that is absolutely mad, but you've got cover. And Salah showed that when you're on a yellow card, in the way he dived in, and basically just said to Salah, "There you go." As he's gone to go and challenge him, he should have just like showed him one way or sat off because you can't commit. And I don't know whether he'd actually seen the challenge too late and realised he was on a card, and he's thinking, "I don't, I can't get oh, a red yeah, card, yeah. I can't touch him." But he should have known that already, and that just shows that his mentality is not a first-class or world-class defender like he, he plays for his national team. I, I think he's an absolute liability, especially in the Premier League. Yeah, he's not a consistent player. That's um, that's the one thing. We played against him once, and there was some, some things you're like, oh, wow, like in the box, he was just holding. He was apologising all the time, but he was just stepping on your toes. <laughs> he was doing those little things that... Crafty. Crafty, yeah. yeah. That, that means, like, yes, he's worth 30, 40 million pounds, but then he would do something so stupid, like things like... Uh, just, just things that aren't professional. Not professional, sorry, that are not consistent as a as a top top defender of the, in the world. So, yeah, unfortunately, David isn't. I loved his one in, of my favourites. I loved his interview afterwards when I they were asked why did you pull Salah's shirt. He said, "Oh, he wears big shirts. Oh, <laughs> and it's too I, tempting. I, it's too tempting." I was like, "Mate, what did he say this morning?" Dumb. Oh, he said to me, "I didn't feel you pull my shirt. I, I thought he was going to wear it to tell you the truth. <laughs> I, I don't know." Well, I was a German manager when that rule came out about the shirt pulling or any any kind of touching from a cross or a corner. One of the German managers, I can't think who it was, it might have been Tuckle, got the defenders to all hold tennis balls in their hands while they were doing set plays. So you got out of the habit of pulling when this VR system came in. So, you know, when you're thinking outside the box, yeah, David Luiz needs to train with tennis balls in his hands. Yeah, ahead of the North London derby this weekend, we spoke about Spurs at length and the, the, the challenges that almost they have to answer this weekend. Were you surprised, Bridgie, that Emery's approach against Liverpool given Louise is sort of his, you know, his star signing in defence, was to rely on going 90 minutes with almost perfect defence and, and hoping that 400 crosses from out wide were going to get repelled? It was, it's a dangerous game, but I like what he was trying. Um, they got it wrong because of one man. Uh, like I said, David Luiz has cost them that match. Um, playing out was a dangerous game as well at, at times. Liverpool loved the high press. And at times, Arsenal looked very vulnerable when they were trying that, but that is, um, that's that's what Emery likes. That's what he is wanting. He's wanting his players to get more courageous doing that. 
And up front, I mean, what was it, Pepe? Blistering pace. Um, and you've always got a chance when you've got the front front line that they have got. I just felt they didn't have enough in that midfield area. And, and obviously when you've got a, a, a man in Luis that is that vulnerable, it's, it's always going to be a dangerous game against a top team like Liverpool or City when you've got a defence that bad. So who do you hold hope for this weekend? Because it's actually a, it's a pretty big derby for both sides with a bit of a point to prove. Yeah, they're very, very true. Um, look, they don't want to lose again, um, obviously, <clears throat> after the, all the money that they've in, um, included and brought in. Spurs' record away to Arsenal haven't been, uh, hasn't been that good. They've had five losses, three draws and only one win. So it'll be an interesting match. I'll just leave it at that. It'll be an interesting match because you just never know what could happen. You just destroyed a Spurs fan right there and then, mate. I'm gutted. But you're right. It's a terrible, terrible record. I was holding back. The record is reversed at home, however, but the only positive from this is Harry Kane. He's got nine goals and ten appearances against Arsenal. He loves playing against them. It's going to be a cracking match, and I'm going to sit in the fence here, Dave. I reckon it'll be a 2-2 draw, (laughs) (laughs) 1-1. Hang on. Which one? 2-2, 1-1? Score draw. (laughs) Could be (laughs) 3-3. I'm saying (laughs) 2-2. 3-3, 4-4. It'll be entertaining nonetheless. That's two managers under a bit of pressure with a bit of conversation about them. One that we just touched on slightly earlier, looking at this weekend's games. Um, Your... We talked about Newcastle before, Bridgie. You spoke about the pressure on Steve Bruce, who, oh, what a, what a relief for him to get out of that uh, on the weekend. So they welcome Watford this weekend. Yavi Gracia, they're the only team. We spoke earlier about everyone having a, a point or whatnot. They're still with zero. It's a complete contrast to last year when they were flying at this stage of the year. And they're a club with a management that until Gracia have been very eager to pull the trigger. Um, if they go five, uh, four games without picking up a point, does he jump Bruce in the uh, sort of sack, sack race order? Without a shadow of a doubt. Now, listen, he just signed a new four-and-a-half-year deal, but that absolutely means nothing, Dave, if you were starting the season on zero from four matches. He took them to the cup final last year, first time in 35 years. He'd give himself some, some room there. And they played some good football. Now, I'm devastated because Richard Bayless actually had them <laughs> to get relegated this season, and I was really shocked because I fancied them to have a, a really good go. They've started terribly, and the the thing that stood out for me in them games, they've had eight shots in three on target in three matches. Mm. Now, they were really dominant from set players last year, but they were very good from open play as well. And even the, even the manager after he said, all we're going to work on this week, they've got a bit of a distraction with the Carabao Cup coming mm. up as well, which will be nice to get away and try and do something, whether he plays a different bunch of players and changes it around. But they said, he said, my focus this week is just on attacking principles because we have got to be better in the final third and we've got to try and get more away. And when they're going to St. James's Park, if they are going to play that, that attacking style, I think Newcastle will keep the same tactics as they did against Tottenham Hotspur. They've got a chance to go there, but St. James's Park is going to be buzzing once again. And Bruce has basically got a little bit of the, the fans behind him. Um, there's still a lot out there that want to get him and the owner, but um, I'll tell you what, that was a huge result. And they'll be looking to get momentum. So the, the pressure is on the Watford manager, without a shadow of a doubt. Would you rather... Some transfer news from the bottom half of the Premier League table. And this comes at a really interesting time where Paris Saint-Germain, we know that Neymar, I mean, what the hell is going to happen with him over the next week? But Edinson Cavani and Kylian Mbappe both have injuries all around the time that Wilfred Zaha all of a sudden has become a transfer target for Paris Saint-Germain. What would you prefer? This one-to-way Neymar or this desperately motivated Premier League player who just wants a crack at the big time? Oh, that's a big one. It's a it's it's a tough one because Neymar is probably one of the oh, 
I'm definitely one of the top three, four players in the world. So it's kind of hard to compare to a player that's only played in Crystal Palace, which is a very, very good team, very strong. But to that level, it's kind of hard. But if you ask me, I'd say Zaha, to tell you the truth. He's just ambitious. He wants to play football. He would just... He's in at 110% no matter what. Neymar is kind of at that stage where he's been around for 10 years. And now mind you, he's still young. But you, you're taking Zaha over Neymar? I am, at, unfortunately. Right now? At wow. the moment, at the moment, the fact that Neymar hasn't played in a while and, you know, it's a lot of controversy and his style of play, I think that with every team's going to sit back and versus Paris Saint-Germain and the fact that Neymar can do his tricks and all that stuff, but at the same time, you need that one player to go in. Like you said, that's, that was Mbappe and um, Cavalli and... The fact that he doesn't have that, I don't think you know Neymar will be able to have that same support he will have if they weren't there. So I'm not saying he needs all the other players as well, but at the same time, he hasn't played much. So at the moment, unless I want to spend 300 million yeah. on someone, yeah. which is a ridiculous amount of money, Zaha will be I, my player that wants to get back into the top. I'll tell you what might push this deal through. Mbappe got a hamstring injury mm. in his game and Carvani pulled up with a bit of a, a sore, whatever it was, just behind his back. So that could push this um, Zaha thing through. What would you rather if you're Crystal Palace? Because you lose Zaha, they're in big trouble. So they get, let's say, £100 million for, for Zaha, but then they get relegated. Which one Which one do you take? Oh, you don't want to take relegation. No, no chance. So, 100, so it's, it's, sorry, by that I mean you get the money to reinvest, yeah. but then you lose it for relegation. So it's almost like you've they've just got, got to a, just stick you've past just it. You've just got to hope you're in touch and distance come January. Then you can have another go and another crack at getting, getting somebody in. Um, uh, oh, he's been the only shining light, really. And mm. um, what are you going to rely on then, Benteke? Yeah, he was the catalyst for their winning goal at Old Trafford on the weekend. Was there a player that you guys played with that? Because he's obviously desperate to get back to the top four, top six. Um, he had that stint at Manchester United, where under David Moyes, he just didn't get there. He is good enough for that level, but will he get there? That's that's kind of where this move is so enticing. Um, did you have anyone that was sort of like, how are you playing at that level? David, there was one guy at Bolton Wanderers, JJ Okocha. Oh, you know, this guy was so good, they fast. named him twice. <laughs> <laughs> That's how good he was. The stuff he did in training was mesmerising, but the best part about this, well, you get a lot of training ground players, and we try tricks and flicks. JJ would go out on a, on a weekend, and he would try these tricks and flicks, and his highlights reel is, is absolutely incredible. The stuff he did in the ball, I just felt that he stayed at Bolton Wanderers too long. And he was a type of player that I felt could have played at a Manchester United out of Liverpool and nobody was willing to have it have a chance and have a crack at him. Uh and even off the park he was just the nicest man in the world. I remember he he organized a, a Chinese meal at a restaurant in Bolton and we all thought it was just for the players. When we got there, he basically flown his family, his relatives, everybody out um from Nigeria and we just there was about hundred and fifty to two hundred people there just having the biggest party I've ever seen. And it was all thanks to JJ. He was just an incredible man on and off the field and should have gone on to... He played for PSG. Um, but the funniest part about this guy must have been loaded with money because he turned up at the training ground one day with a black Ferrari, which was a vintage Ferrari. And the boys went out and have a look at it. And there, it was actually that rusty underneath that the, the passenger floor had fallen out. I'm not kidding. There was, a, there was a hole in the floor. And we said, JJ, where did you get this? And he went, I just found this in my um, apartment in London that I didn't know I left there 10 years ago. Oh, my God. That's scary. That's the life. That is scary. So just, just to say, didn't he go bankrupt? I don't, I very, did he? <laughs> I heard a few years ago. He um yeah, well, I think towards the end of his career, he must have forgot so about a few. Sense. He must have forgot about a few more apartments and cars. But he should have gone to one of the biggest clubs in the world because he was that good. There's a bit of googling to do there, and of course, actually, um, 
dangerous times for Bolton. You mentioned Bolton. It's let's hope that by the time the next podcast comes along, yeah. there's some clarity for their future too. It's, it's it just life. shows the slippery slope that going down can create. Yeah, it, do, it, it does show that, Dave. But also I think there's got to be a bit of give and take from the EFL and the people that are involved. Bolton are crying out. The deal fell through that they almost had because they've got a hotel attached to the stadium. It's a huge commodity. Um, you could actually have the bedroom overlooking the stadium and on match day the bedrooms fold away the beds go in and it becomes um, it becomes a, a box for, for corporate hospitality and to think that that club could go into liquidation and go under they've actually put a play out to say can we have longer and the AFL have said no and I just think it's a bit I think they need a little bit longer because you can't have clubs of that stature going into this kind of um, this problem without a little bit more support and Sam Allardyce has put a big play out and a lot of the ex-players because this this club is, is a huge club and it's so sad and if this if this is the first club to go it's going to spell problems because it won't be the last. No way and look by the time we listen to this podcast there may have been a development on it but it just shows that while there is all that money at the top there's still a fair bit of work to do in the lower tiers of English football with some very proud clubs and passionate fans that you, they shouldn't have to suffer um, like some of them might uh, at Bolton Wanderers over the, the next couple of days. So we'll watch that space very closely. Also this week, of course, we'll know by Friday morning, we'll know the Champions League group stage draws. Talking about from from that to the absolute riches of the top of the the top of the field, um, create that disparity in wealth. But at the moment, we're waiting to see whether Australians Milos Degenek and James Holland will be in the group stages with Red Star Belgrade and uh, Lask from Linz in Austria. So I've spoken to both of those guys and they're up to these games. You can read those stories on sport.optus.com.au and let's hope we will be following them week in, week out on Optus Sports Screens this season. But Daniel, you've got a story, you've got some stories because you've been through that exact same experience and then enjoyed the group stage of a Champions League, which I guess is everyone's dream. Um, what are these boys going through right now? And tell us a little bit about uh, that that journey to the Champions League. Well, it was a dream of mine and I think after that I just gave up on football. Uh, <laughs> um, then you ended up with us. <laughs> and I ended up um, with Bridgie. <laughs> no, um, look, it is, I think at the time we had so many games and it didn't click to me what was happening up until we were actually there. And um, I think we played, um, we went to Armenia. I think it was um, Dinamo Tbilisi. I think it was Armenia, yeah. And um, we lost the first game at home, which wasn't too good, or we drew, I can't really remember. And we went there in a, in a country that was very hot, very um, very difficult. But we, you know, our qualities obviously got, got, us, through the, got us through the line. But um, yeah, things like that you just remember. And we played Vardad, which was our first, um, our first qualifier. To, to go through and um, it was a Macedonian team and I just remember some of the players because I was playing with the national team and I was just telling the coach you know he's fast he's fast or and he's like yeah but you you guys we should be winning this easily you know and I remember one of the one of the fast players came in and I was just a bit anxious because I, I knew what he could do and um, I remember I told the coach and he just went y- you should be better so don't worry about that um you, we're going for the Champions League like don't worry about it, you know. And little things like that do come to memory. But yeah, look, what the boys are feeling right now, we um, I felt the same thing. And you know, we played um, Legia Warsaw to qualify, and the first game I think we drew one-one at home, and that was massive because we should have won. To tell you the truth, we're going we're going away to Poland, which had one of the best, if not the best, fans in the world. Um, they didn't stop going from the warm up all the way to the last minute, and the tenth minute we were leading two 0 so we pretty much had it in the bag, but at the same time we were a bit lucky with a few things. And that last, that second half was a very, very hard because you have their fans, which are just going ballistic, and you're gonna 
fulfilling your dream to play in a Champions League and this might be your only shot. And um, I remember that right after the game, we didn't even know what to do because we ended up conceding a second goal in the 95th minute and we did go through because it was 3-3 on aggregate on away goals. And we went that crazy that I forgot that I had to do a urine test like <laughs> Chelsea. So, um, How long did it take you? Oh, three hours. <laughs> I wasn't that bad. My roommate, who was also in there, everyone's celebrating, and like as on the pitch, we we couldn't celebrate on the on the pitch because it was an away game. And the guys just grabbed us from Asada, and they said, "Yeah, you have to do the urine test." And we're like, "Yeah, but we want to party with the rest (laughs) of the players." And funny enough, we were there and just drinking, um, just drinking the non-alcoholic beer, anything just to get you through. And we're just getting all these messages or family, friends, but we couldn't speak. We had to try to urinate, and then we find out the team is in at the airport because we had a private plan to get back because we had a game in three days. So everyone's waiting for us for about two, three hours till midnight <laughs> to get back and they just started losing it at us and everyone's on their phones just, you know, just exciting. So I hope that the boys do, you know, get through because it will if they haven't played before, it will be an amazing experience for them. And at the right now, I reckon they're just, they're just trying to, you know, hold their emotions in. But at the same time, they still have a game in three, four days in the league. So it's you have to balance it, but I reckon it's um probably the best, the best feeling right now for him. I love that story because, <laughs> because the Asada people that come in, I remember David Batty got pulled um, into the office after the game about to do the, the the drugs test. And this guy would not leave his side. And I remember Batty turned to me and said, mate, he said, you would be one of the best man-to-man markers. He said to Dave Levy, you've got to sign this guy. He will not leave me alone. He's like Maldini. It was incredible to follow you everywhere. Oh, so, yes. so Batty started taking the mic. He was having a shower. He was getting undressed. And he refused to do anything with his clothes on because he was trying to embarrass this guy, thinking he's got to leave at some point. And they said, I cannot leave you. So it doesn't matter what you do, mate. I'm still going to be here, you know, because we need that sample. Yeah, yeah. The guy, the guy follows you in the shower as yeah. well, so you're actually in the shower It was really together. awkward. He was the only guy fully clothed in the shower and all the lads <laughs> are going, what are you doing, mate? And he's like, I've got to stay with this man, David Batty. Well, once you get through that, I suppose it is like, it's a, it's a grand final moment in, in European football for you. And then you learn, you play, you go to Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. When um when the group stages came, I really didn't care who we played against. I was just happy to hear that song, not just be on my phone, but to actually have it in real life. And, that for me, I did, I remember I watched the um, I remember I watched the, the 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 draw for who was playing, and I didn't even watch. Like we all got together and had a few, just a, well, not a few drinks. Sorry, we had a, we had some dinner, and I just totally forgot about it. And they go, "Oh, you're playing this team or that team," and I go, "I don't really care. I just get to play Champions League. It doesn't really matter who you play against." And you get to pull. We played Chelsea the year before, in um, they knocked us out of the Europa League, so we already had that experience. And um, I actually didn't want to play him because. We already did. I wanted to play a team that I hadn't played, like a Liverpool or something. And yeah, unfortunately, I um, had to play him again. But it wasn't too bad because Stamford Bridge is, uh, you know, a very intimidating stadium. But at the same time, you know, you get to say for the rest of your life that you got to play there. And someone, like for me, that's something that I'll never forget. And yeah, I just preferred to play a Liverpool or something like that at the time. But, you know, it was good. Milos taking it last year was lucky enough to play at Liverpool, Paris Saint-Germain and uh, Napoli. So the doors that it opens and the opportunities that you get is, it's, well, as they've both said, it's, it's a childhood dream. Yeah, definitely. Who, whose shirt did you, did, were you a shirt collector? The first game, no, because I had the worst game of my life. <laughs> Scored an own goal. <laughs> no, we played Chelsea and um, Schwarzer was in goal, actually. Um, no. No, he wasn't. He was on the bench, actually. Well, he wouldn't have wanted his shirt. Let's be fair. You want something Wait, you can actually me, put on the wall. Let me finish this story. I did take his jersey. <laughs> <laughs> now, the first game was, um, I didn't realise 
how big of a game it was until we did the press the day before and everything. And I wanted to perform that well. That was my worst game. And Schuller absolutely killed me. And at the time, they Chelsea Mourinho was there and they lost the game a few days before. They lost the first two games of the league and he was under pressure. And they came to us and fully strength, fully motivated. We got pumped 4-0 at home and I scored the, the third goal was an own goal from me. Surely assisted twice. Oh, it was just a horrible game. I got booed off the, st- <laughs> off, the, off the stadium from our own fans. And then the other half were actually cheering me on. And I remember I saw Schwartz over there. He didn't know who I was, obviously. It didn't really matter. But I looked at him. He's like, well, I thought we were playing away. Why, why is he getting booed for? And then I guess the, our last game was in Chelsea in Stamford Bridge. And I remember even just during the game, I was having a chat with Ashley Cole and whatnot. And I kind of like bypassed him and pushed him away because I wanted to get Schwartz's jersey. Um, before the game, I go, hey, mate, you're from Blacktown, aren't you? And he just turned around and expecting some Romanians or whatnot, and I do look a bit dark. So I go, he goes, yeah, mate, and we just had a bit of a chat. I don't think you remember it, but I definitely will. And I ran up to him and I go, can I take your jersey, which everyone found funny because it's a goalkeeper's jersey. And, yeah, I didn't take Ashley Goals, but I took Schwartz's because I guess it just meant to me more than anything else. Big regret. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying anything else of, of all the collectibles out there no it's a cover to jersey um, and just shows this, the stage that, that you get to play on so great stuff great stuff look forward to hearing more of that throughout the season well we'll know by Friday morning by the time everyone gets up on Friday morning we'll know the group stage draw we'll know where the Aussies are going we'll know which teams everyone's playing Tottenham Bridgie they are in pot two so they're going to wow just anticipation and anxiety for that but they got through tougher stuff last year so you never never know um and wednesday thursday this week of course are all the final playoffs to see who makes that grand stage and then this weekend the premier league is back as ever as we touched on the north london derby is the climax with it at monday on 1 30 a.m around the dust start with that fantastic 9 30 p.m time slot just love that the southampton game against manchester united Midnight, we see Chelsea against Sheffield United, Crystal Palace against Aston Villa, Leicester against Bournemouth, as I said earlier, Manchester City against Brighton, Newcastle against Watford, West Ham against Norwich, and then Burnley against Liverpool at 2.30am. The night resumes on Sunday night with Everton hosting Wolves, and then the North London Derby, 1.30am. Before we go, tip Bridgie. 2-2 two, two or 1-1. One, one. Oh, well, give me the chance to redeem yourself. <laughs> I'm going for 3-3. Three, three. <laughs> There'll be goals galore this weekend, and I'm looking forward to seeing how Brighton do against City. Yeah, fantastic. Daniel, thanks for dropping in. Great to see you. Thank you. And uh, good luck for pre-season. You've got a couple more months of running to go. We look forward to seeing you. Oh, thank you very looking much. Looking fit and firing on the pitch before too long, and everyone else out there as ever. Until the next game and pod, enjoy your football. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.